I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Are you serious? Did you do that? No. Oh. (laughs) Say that. That was, that was Zoom. That was the Zoom Siri who said, Recording in progress. I've never heard that before. I thought you just set that up or something. (laughs) You thought I had a good um, Siri Zoom impersonation? Yes, I did actually, because I put nothing past you. I mean, I am multi-talented like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, hi, Mahalia. You look really good today, girl. Thank you. Well, Mahalia thanks you. And she also thanks Zoe over at Good Body in Oakland. Wow. Wait, the same spot? Same spot. So now I'm going on like over a week. My hair still feels very soft and defined somewhere between a twist out and a fro, but I'm feeling it. I love it. The the mighty power of that luscious 4C hair of yours. Tell me about it. What's what's (laughs) funny, I told you I was getting ready to um, relocate to Oakland and I was actually looking at places this past weekend and I ended up picking a spot that was about two blocks from the hair salon. Oh, oh, of course. Cloud of KC. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Jules, uh, she, she had a really good time during these Juneteenth celebrations, Mm. you know, seeing as it's a federal holiday and all, even though we've we've been turning up for a minute, but it was raining in Atlanta all weekend. So Jules was smashed under a Tuskegee ball cap. Mm. Um, So she kind of is a little bit flat and not really full of too much energy, but we're going to get her together. No, that's all right. (laughs) So talk to me about what you learned this week, my friend. Yes. So I think this would be a good time to give a shout out to my colleagues in the addiction medicine service, because I don't know where I would be (laughs) without their help. I have a couple of amazing patients in my downtown clinic who have had um, years-long struggles with opioid dependence and opioid use disorders. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to manage that when you know they've got other things going on, like housing instability, chronic pain, you know, just years of trauma that, you know, me telling you to cut back on substance use isn't gonna isn't gonna do the trick. Yeah. And so really, you know, it's on me to try to get more comfortable with medication assisted therapies. And I do have an X license to prescribe Suboxone. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you've been through that process. I haven't been through that process, uh, but I I am definitely with you in terms of the addiction medicine people being uh, incredibly helpful. And just, I don't know, I just feel like all of them, when they show up at the pearly gates, if they so choose, <laughs> they are going to be immediately ushered in. They're going to be like, wait, wait, what did you do? Oh, okay. Yeah. I have a running list of people who, yeah. who 
get ushered in, they're on it. Yeah, I, I would put them in that category of the the fast track uh, service. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, even having gone through those hours long training modules uh, mm-hmm. to get the license, there's just so much I, I still don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I have a, I have a patient who, you know, the one, one of the ones who struggles the most with stability. And so my, my colleagues in the addiction service helped me um, get him set up with um, Suboxone injections, otherwise known as Sublocade. Okay. So it's something that can be injected once a month and give, you know, coverage for, for cravings and really allow folks to kind of live a little bit more freely or untethered from, you know, the pharmacy or waiting in line for, for methadone, which is a whole other conversation of what, you know, what that must feel like. Yeah. And with stigma too. Absolutely. I love the way that you, you, you talk about your patients who are living with working through opiate use disorders and, and any kind of addiction of any kind. I think Mm -hmm. When I think back to medical school and residency and how the language just wasn't really that people first language, mm. this is a good evolution. I'm glad. And it sounds so patient centered, like, you know, it almost seems like, hey, the problem is this, the person is this, mm-hmm. and let's work on the problem and not, you know, make it the person's whole identity. I love that. You know, I give a lot of credit to some good folks at UCSF who really put in the work to change the culture around how we think about these patients mm-hmm. and just, you know, some of the stories it's, it's heart-wrenching to not mm-hmm. only have gone through so much personally, but to come to a place of healing and be ostracized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what's up. Yep. I feel like what I learned is so much less dope than what you <laughs> impossible I'm, I'm debating like dang do I mention this very unimportant thing that I have just been thinking about okay so I, I actually knew this before but I just became acutely re-annoyed by it so um <laughs> acutely I'm annoyed. you know something pops back up you're like why is that um <laughs> so I'm just been thinking about the way we spell some things in medicine and like how closely adjacent some spellings are to each other and you're just like oh just can we just have one way to do it? Um, so for example, the word pruritus, P-R-U-R-I-T-U-S, ends with U-S on the end, unlike colitis, C-O-L-I-T-I-S. We know itis means when something is inflamed. And I get it. Pruritus <laughs> comes from the Latin word for something, career or something like that. And it's not technically inflammation, but a lot of times when something's really pruritic, it is inflamed and, mm-hmm. and red and angry and all that. One, what I did learn on this, so I am annoyed by that spelling. Let me just say that. <laughs> yes. but, but, but also somebody shared with me on Twitter that um, this paper from JAMA where um, they demonstrated that if people typed into a search engine, the proper way to spell the word pruritus versus the wrong way or the wrong way versus the right way. Basically they would miss, they would miss the manuscript um, some crazy number of times, meaning Mm. a lot of people think pruritus is spelled with an I S on the end, like most of the other inflammatory itises. Mm -hmm. So there is a consequence of this thing that annoys me. (laughs) So can we just like, tomato tomato it pruritus pruritus it 
Yes. I also try to never say that word out loud because it just never, I can never get it right. I'm not, I'm not even going to say it here. Yeah. Say pruritus. I want you to say it. I'm just going to go with itching. itching, itching. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we, we can, we can delve more into that topic <laughs> offline. Cause I do have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> cool. That's what's up. All right, sis, what's the what? The what is appreciation. Appreciation. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's in the context of family. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to go back to summer of 94. I was studying for USMLE step one, you know, the first board exam you take before you can go into your clinical rotations. And this was a, a really big step. You know, at my school, if you did not pass step one, you could not go into your clerkships. Um, mm. So it was a very, very big rite of passage. I, I I had known people actually who had not passed the exam before and I sort of saw what it looked like. And mm. yeah. I was just very nervous about it. I mean, you know, certainly we know that um, these standardized tests ha are their own controversial topic, but I was at a historically black medical school. And so um, I knew people who whose whole medical school time was disrupted by not passing this test. And I was going to not let anything stand in between me and this test. So my sister, my older sister, um, Deanna was in law school in Birmingham, Alabama at the time. And um, in 94, she was about to graduate. Mm -hmm. um, and back in the day, step one was offered two times a year. You, everybody in the whole country took it either in June I think everybody in the country took it in October. Those were, those were the times we could take two it. times a year. Mm -hmm. So there wow. was no, there was no just like scheduling get all these times that work for you. Like the whole, everybody took it on the same day. So I remember what? my test was on June, June 8th and June 9th. I remember it was a two day test. Okay. And my sister's graduation was about somewhere around the, whatever the weekend before that June 8th and June 9th was. And, um, this would call for me to not study. It would call for me to leave Nashville where I was in med school, go to Birmingham, which was like two and a half, three hours away driving, mm -hmm. go to her graduation, do all the family stuff surrounding her graduation and, and basically miss that time studying. So I made up my mind very early on that I was not going. And I remember telling my sister that I wasn't going to her graduation and, and how completely puzzled she said she sounded so confused she's like what do you mean you're not going to come to my law school graduation I was like yeah no I'm not um I gotta study oh, I'm trying to be a doctor there are no doctors in the family y'all don't understand yep she was like I have to take the bar and I I wouldn't miss your I'm like well I don't know how the bar is compared to you know to this but I'm I was not sorry. It was a very sorry, not sorry thing. And my, my family, people in my family tried to call me and talk to me about it. And I was just not budging. It was, it, it was like, to me, a no brainer. Mm. So everybody eventually backed off because being the first medical doctor in the family, there was, there was no person to sort of talk sense into me or to, to, to assure me that, that um, I should be there. Yeah. And I was never, ever sorry or regretful of it um, until May 19th, 1996, when I mm. walked into my own graduation, pomp and circumstance playing my, you know, my gown on getting ready, my, my, my green robes and all that stuff yes. for coming a medical doctor, getting ready to get hooded. And I walk in and, you know, it's just so joyful. And I'm like scanning, looking all over the, the gym where we are. And 
I spot my family yeah. all in a row. And they were like cheering. It was like my mom, my dad, my younger sister, my brother, my brother's wife, um, my best friend from growing up, uh, my uncle. And next to him was my sister. Mm. She was like, it looked like she was like pumping her fist in slow motion. Uh, <sighs> it's hard to talk about. Because in that moment, I looked and I was like, who does this? Mm. How could you have not gone to her graduation? Because the complete picture of my family, um, it was a moment. It was a moment. And I cried through my whole graduation. Wow. Not because I was becoming a doctor, but because I, I realized I appreciated how important it is to have your entire family there. Absolutely. And as soon as my graduation ended, I like went straight to my sister and I apologized. And I was like, I'm so sorry mm. for what I did. And in that moment, I knew how badly I hurt her. Wow. Because she started crying and she was so grateful, you know, for me making that apology to her. And, um, you know, as you know, my, my, my sister Deanna passed away in 2012. Yeah. And in, more than ever, that moment is more important to me now, right? Because these family moments, you, you can't, you can't have them back. How, how many and years apart were you guys? We were like 20 months apart. Wow. We grew up sharing a bedroom. You know, we were, we were close. We yeah. went to Tuskegee together. We were roommates at Tuskegee for like two years. Yeah. I was too close to her to miss that. Um, yeah. But this kind of speaks to this culture that we have in, in medicine of, 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 of sort of denying, um, and not prioritizing important things, right? Mm -hmm. Cause there's the self piece, but there's all the family that we like put on ice, you know, mm -hmm. thinking that it's offered this greater good. And, you know, what I wish so badly that someone would have told me is that, don't you know that you getting in that car and going to Birmingham and seeing your family, don't you know that will make you do better on this exam? Don't yeah. you, don't you, don't you know that? Don't you know that you are bright enough and capable enough and smart enough and have worked hard enough to do both? Don't you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't believe that. And so I, I really push my learners now to not make that mistake. Um, and then just thinking through, you know, all of the, the people along the way who have been supportive and who've helped me. Um, and even now, you know, Ash, I'm still having moments where I, I realize much too late um, that, that, that I should have appreciated something someone did for me more than I did in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, family that I had in Cleveland when I was doing my residency who were super supportive of me and how just, I never really thought about all that they were doing for me in that time. And now that I'm older, I'm, I'm passing this on because I, I hope there's somebody really young or somebody who's older, who's listening to this, who takes an inventory of what matters and what is important. And what is important, you know, family is important. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I can remember, you know, extending definitely through, through medical school and 
for sure up the residency when, you know, you, when you're in that setting, it just feels you're so hyper-focused on what you're doing and everything else kind of falls by the wayside. I remember it hit me, well, it hit me a, a number of times, but one time in particular when I was dating someone outside of medicine mm-hmm. and it was Mother's Day and mm-hmm. I was on night float and just trying to survive that month. She had asked, did you, uh, did you talk to your mom today? I was like, oh, well, I sent her a text message. Mm. And she was horrified. Mm. She was like, you can't take 10 minutes to talk to your mother on the phone. And it was so soul damaging in the sense that it's just like, it didn't, it didn't even occur to me. Mm. I was like, well, of course my mom understands. I'm a resident. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a doctor. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, thinking back on it now, I'm, I'm horrified for myself. Mm. And I, you know, went through a lot of kind of these phases of, of thinking back and feeling shameful about some of the things that I didn't appreciate enough. I'm incredibly grateful that I went to medical school at home in Houston, even though it wasn't my first choice, because mm-hmm. I don't know who I would have been in med school. You know, I think of all the things that happened, a lot of personal stuff and, and difficulties that happened among my family. Had I not been there, would I have made the trip home to be mm. present? And I can say, honestly, like, I don't know that I would have. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then it's like this vicious cycle, right? Because our family, they get so excited about the opportunity for us to be doctors that they, Mm -hmm. you know, they step aside and they allow us, you know, to basically do these things that are selfish. Mm -hmm. But what I now know for sure, and I'm sure you do too, is it's (laughs) the thing is you will do better if you prioritize the people who love you, you will take better care of patients. You will know more. You will do better on your exams. If you Mm -hmm. pause for a minute and do some self-care and also pause for a minute and, and like intentionally love on these people who are sacrificing for you, you know, we make things so much more complicated than they need to be. Yeah. There's a lot of good work that we do in medicine, but a lot of stuff that we make a huge deal that really isn't in the grand scheme of life. Mm -hmm. So I I really, speaking of appreciation, I appreciate you for telling this story (laughs) because I I wish I had heard it. um, I wish I had heard it more as a medical student and as a resident. But you know, you, you did something recently that inspired me a lot, you know, when your grandmother passed and, mm-hmm. and even, you know, more recently, just sometimes that you've kind of gone home to be with the family and to be around and everything. I just always sort of always just thought of myself as too busy for these things and, and sort of watching you prioritize your family. I mean, just love knowing that you were there with your grandmother and you were there to like spend time with her. So when my uncle passed away, my father's older brother, who was the uncle who was at my med school graduation and yeah. at every milestone in my life, um, I had a whole bunch of stuff to do on Friday. And um, I'm grateful for your example of you know, prioritizing, even in the midst of a lot of busy, I said, wait a minute, this is my family member. He was good to me. I want to honor his memory. And Birmingham is two and a half hours away from Atlanta. I can get there. Yeah. Um, And so, and if I hadn't gone, you know, I wouldn't have seen all that family from Cleveland and had this full circle moment where I'm able to 
say, Hey, you know, thanks y'all for, for taking care of me. And, and I want you to know how much I love you and how I wish I had been old enough to tell you then what I'm telling you now. And it's that I appreciate you. Mm, I love it. And I did see all the pictures that you posted, but I didn't want to be weird and like every single one. So you can like my photos anytime. time. All right, cool. I'm going to be that, that weird cousin who comments on everything. That's right. That's right. I love it. Well, speaking of things that I appreciate, I appreciate you. And just really appreciate the way that um, our paths crossed and through intention, how I feel psychologically safe enough to be able to tell you stories of my shortcomings and mm. growing Cause you know, I'm supposed to be older and wiser than you. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. That is still true. (laughs) And, um, you know, every time I look at you and think, dang, she's crossed that, um, half century threshold. It makes me happy for the future to think that this (laughs) is a possibility. Yeah. That's a word. That's a word right there. Well, I know you got some talks to give (laughs) usual. (laughs) You know, like I told you before, we just out here trying to rep the ancestors. Yes. The ancestors are singing this year. That's right. That's what's up. Sis, I love you. All right. I love you too. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.